the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You guys come up with ideas, and then how do you figure out which one to choose? I mean, some of it's kind of sometimes it's like do a proof of concept, and I'm like, okay, if this works, then let's do it, and then see if an audience likes it. And if they do, then keep doing it. Or you might be making something else and you like find another project within that project and be like, huh, that idea that we had while doing that thing that didn't work, that was good. And then let's explore that. You know, it's just like, it's really exploratory. Yeah. And I mean, that being said, it's like you made, I've written a lot of stuff and made a lot of projects that either never got made or never went anywhere. But that's just like the entertainment company. Like everyone makes stuff that doesn't go anywhere. So it's like, yeah. just kind of experiment and see what works. And then if people like it, then you might end up doing it every single week forever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. make sure you like it because if you end up doing it weekly, <laughs> you better uh, make sure you uh, really enjoy doing it. This is episode 234 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket man. Casualty of climate change. The ecosystems are collapsing. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. The worst pandemic. Healthcare system collapsing. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On the show, my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lojudice. This season, we're interviewing media creators. The last three episodes alone, Max Miller, director from the Australian sketch group Antidana, Rosa Escondon, comedian and writer at Forbes, and Mike Diva, video creator and SNL director. Today, my co-host is Deborah DeCanter. Um, details make me feel so good. And I'll be talking to Krista Myris about iterating constantly to create internet content, using failure as a creative tool, how his podcast Black Box Down, Good Morning in Hell, and Tales from the Sneaky Dragon came to be. Then my character, Deborah DeCanter, comes on to ask about his taxes and gets a little bit too excited. Before we get to our interview with Krista Myris, here's a bit about him. He is an American writer, director, actor, voice actor, and on-camera host, content producer, editor, best known for working at Rooster Teeth and as a head writer of live action and content producer, often working on RT Shorts, Day 5, Laser Team, Immersion, The Gauntlet, and Social Disorder. He additionally appears on the podcast, Screenplay, On the Spot, Immersion, Always Open, and A Simple Walk into Mordor. He is a cast member and head writer at Rooster Teeth Productions, who is currently one of the writers for the movie Laser Team, along with Josh and Bernie, and often guest stars in the entertainment company's other shows, such as the RT Podcast, Immersion on the Spot, and RT Shorts. Whew. Let's get to the interview with Chris Demiris. So uh, thank you, Chris, uh, for being part of Reconcile the Isle. Thank you for having me. Very cool. So you are part of Rooster Teeth. Can you explain to people what exactly that is and how you guys got started? So Rooster Teeth is a media company. It's one of the oldest companies on the that's an internet company uh, as far as like video content. I think there is because it started in like with Red versus Blue. Yeah. Remember that? It's still going, but it started, I think, when I was in high school. And uh, with Red versus Blue, and then pretty much right after college, I started uh, working with the guys who started the company. Uh, I met them 
they were judges at a film festival or two that I had films in. I started doing contract and they got hired. And that was like 11 years ago. So it's been a while. Wow. How has Rooster Teeth evolved in those 11 years? Because so much is like with online content, like mm-hmm. that's a that's a universe away. Yeah. I mean, the company's changed a lot because when I started, there were like 12, 13 people. And then it was mostly focused on Red versus Blue, which is like a comedy series made in Halo. So now it's hundreds of people and make a bigger breadth of content from movies, TV shows, to podcasts, to, I mean, web series, social content, like TikTok. I mean, pretty much everything. Anime. And it's just like, it's constantly evolving, which is kind of which keeps it interesting and has kept me around because I don't get bored. Yeah. And how do you guys figure out, are you using get analytics to figure out what project you do next? There's analytics. I don't use analytics like that. That's, I come more from the creative side of things. So I'll, as far as what I projects I work on next, a lot of times I'll just look at what uh, resources I have available at the moment and then focus in on that. So example being during COVID, it was a lot harder to do bigger productions and everyone was mostly working from home. And so really focused a lot on podcasts and podcasts are super fun. And I think a really great way to tell big stories without millions and millions of dollars. And so it's, yeah, it's like that kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, what resources do you have available right now? And then I like kind of write or conceive around that. So wait, so you're basically just like making up projects to do. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Not entirely. The company's really good about giving people creative freedom to do pursue passion projects and and to make for the most part. But we can't just do anything be like, I would like to, you know, it's got to fit the tone and there's got to be an outlet and a a reason for making it. So you got to look like, okay, well, what's working in the landscape right now and what resources do we have? And okay. Okay, within these parameters can conceive and pitch and, you know, produce things around that. I mean, that's why it's, I think the company's still around after on the, I mean, there's so many internet video sites or media companies that just don't exist anymore. And it's still around because companies like Nimble and Adapts and the people who work here do that as well. Yeah. And so then like, are you, how do you know that if something's succeeding or you could do it? Like you guys come up with ideas and then how do you figure out which one to choose? I mean, some of it's kind of, sometimes it's like do a proof of concept and I'm like, okay, if this works, then let's do it and then see if an audience likes it. And if they do, then keep doing it. Or you might be making something else and you like find another project within that project and be like, huh, that idea that we had while doing that thing that didn't work, that was good. And then let's explore that. You know, it's just like, it's really exploratory. Yeah. And I mean, that being said, it's like made, I've written a lot of stuff and made a lot of projects that either never got made or never went anywhere. But that's just like the entertainment company. Like everyone makes stuff that doesn't go anywhere. So it's like, just kind of experiment and see what works. And then if people like it, then you might end up doing it every single week forever. (laughs) So make sure you like it because if you end up doing it weekly, (laughs) you better uh, make sure you uh, really enjoy doing it. I think that's one thing that's hard for like, for lack of a better word, normies uh, don't understand is that like, there's a lot of failure in what we do, like content creating anything is that like, Mm -hmm. and then it's not necessarily like a failure. If you learn something from it, it just kind of like an organic process as it grows. Yeah, I learned that in high school, I think when I first started making movies, and I was like, tried to do a dramatic films. And when I was like 15 with actors that were like, people in my high school who were just in a class with me. And I was like, huh, you got to work within your means and not everything succeeds or turns out the way you want it to, but at least you learned what worked and what didn't and you got better because of it. I think I, I was I was having a conversation with someone who like doesn't work. I think it was a doctor. And I was explaining like, oh yeah, like, I don't yeah. know, maybe like 20 or 30% of the things you conceive or write 
might get made. And I was like, I think that's pretty high, honestly. You know, like, because, you know, some people, there are people who are screenwriters and they making a living off of it for 10 or 20 years and they may not have anything actually made. Yeah. You know, it's like they can just get optioned or they write it and then get stuck in production, you know, like. And they're so, seen as successful. Like that's yeah. success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting paid to do what you like to do, then great. So, yeah, it's it's, it's weird the the idea that like, oh, if everything you I think a lot of like when people first start or they're like writers, you're like they write something like, well, they just expect it to get made or like it's going to get made because I wrote it. It's like, well, you got to yeah. not. That didn't happen. You got to really like find a way to get it made or write something that, you know, you can yeah. make. I've been finding like the more not precious I am with my ideas the, and the more like I don't try to like we work them too much. I just kind of yeah. just and then just toss and move on. The better it gets because then you're like you're not like, oh, this is my only idea. You're just like, all right, I'm just going to see what sticks and it's less, it's lighter. Yeah. You know? Cause it could get really um, debilitating if you get stuck on one project and you're like, <laughs> oh, it's got to be perfect. Da, 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 da. And then like, you're trying to make it perfect and then you're trying to find the perfect way of making it. But then universe doesn't align perfectly. Then what are you doing? You know, like you don't have anything to do. Uh, so you gotta, yeah, I'm all, I always have like, well, um, I've got like six ideas that I'm working on and that's developing and or pitching uh, we're trying to get made while doing the other five things I'm doing currently, you know, so it's just got to like, because one of them might end or you get, might get tired of it or whatever. So you got to like constantly be like, it's like a juggle, but with ideas and shows. You know, you didn't go to film school, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I went to uh, University of Texas in Austin and the film school to me was really like, well, it's a really good networking and you're only going to get what you put into it. You know, like there's a lot of people who are like film majors, but then didn't really actually make yeah. stuff. If that makes sense. And yeah, then it's totally, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then like they took all the classes and like, all right, I've graduated. Where's my movie to direct? And it's like, but if you weren't making stuff the whole time, you're going to have like a community of people who like you work with or like trust you or you have like yeah. stuff made. Then it's like uh, you don't need to go to film school. You know, it's funny. I thought you didn't because I listened to your interview on Gawkward mm -hmm. and you talk so much like it seemed like the formative period for you was like just being a kid making stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I started when I was like 13 or 14 making movies with like a VHS camcorder and I'm like I think I said like I, f I figured out pretty early on like oh I can't do drama stuff and so I like I was, I'll do comedy because all you have to do for that is if someone laughs then it, okay it worked like you don't need to like it doesn't matter the production value or anything it's like if it, it makes people laugh it's successful mm -hmm. but then I mean I pretty much just continued that through college where uh, I went to film school but most of the stuff I made wasn't in class or projects or anything it was like outside at like the student television station or just for fun with my friends and that that's what I did in high school so it's been just like making same same philosophy I, <laughs> that I have now pretty much I, I started when I was like 13 it's just like what can I make with my means yeah and just doing you it. always have bigger stuff that you're pitching and trying to get made or you know ideas you got to have those too because you always want to grow you also don't want to like stagnate because you you're not like creative with your resources yeah well you gotta like practice doing the stuff in order to yeah others get rusty because there's been those times where I'm like huh I haven't like directed in a long time I feel like rusty mm -hmm. and like sometimes you just gotta make stuff just for yourself yeah and like when you're making something, do you know if it's going to be a hit or a lot of people are going to like it? I was actually, no. And I was telling, I was talking to someone, uh, I made this like, uh, I just finished this. It's a really short video. It's not half long. It's like a Darkwing Duck parody. I mean, we did it. I had to, I, it's basically a, a really dramatic version of Darkwing Duck as a movie, a live action movie. That's kind of like basically parodying the Batman. 
super gritty and dark, but Darkwing Duck in a stupid mask. And it was, it was a very silly concept, but like it was really like fun. Uh, I had to write it really creatively because it was just like a lot of stock footage, R- writing around what stock footage I could find that would fit the narrative. Anyway, it was like, it was really fun. And I think it turned out really sharp, but like didn't really like blow up or anything. And I, I was talking to the guy who shot. He's like, yeah, I was just really disappointed that I didn't get hit bigger. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you can't get like too caught up on if something is going to hit or not because you can make something really, really good or that you're, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to like blow up. Yeah. And sometimes the things that blow up aren't the things that you're proud of, <laughs> but not that you like, you don't like them, you know, you're like, oh, I worked really hard on this. And then this other thing that I kind of just threw together, that's the one that did better. So you can't get caught up on like, this has got to blow up and do really well because I'm really proud of it. And if it doesn't, because otherwise it doesn't, you're just going to be like deflated and like uninspired. But you got to be like, well, I'm just going to make stuff that I want to make and try and make it as good as I can. And if it does well, then great. And if it doesn't, well, at least you made something that you like are proud yeah. of. Yeah, It's like validation is in the process, not in like what yeah. someone else says. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, do people think it's good? All right. Well, that's the main thing for at least. Do I like it? You know, or... That's just like a recent example, but it's like that with everything I make. It's like some things are like some of the things I'm most proud of are probably like not the least successful or or not at all, you know, the most successful things that I've made. But that's some of them are some of them are. It's just like you can't get caught up on uh, that. Otherwise, again, it's like otherwise you can get just depressed, yeah, you know, or totally. like deflated or uninspired. You're like, well, this I, I poured. I thought this if this didn't go, you know, blow up, then. I don't know what will. It's like, well, you, yeah, you don't. Yeah. You never know. You know, like you never, never know. know. And then you got to like the most important thing is you got to just learn from it and move on and get into the next thing as fast as possible. Yeah. And then it's it just like, like, yeah. All right, cool. What's tomorrow? Yeah, totally. So I say that like it's easy, but I, you know, it's tough. It's sometimes really hard. <laughs> oh yeah. It's super tough. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I suppose, especially during, um, like during COVID and like being stuck at home, like there's a lot of times I was like not inspired at all to do anything. And so you kind of just have to like find things or or sometimes even when you're like working on a project that you're not excited about, they're just like, oh, I just, this is something that find the things that you do like about the project, focus on that and make it some like, oh yeah, this is what I like about this. So I'm going to like find the fun in it. Yeah. Because if you're making something and you're not having fun, it reads on camera. I think even if you're not acting, yeah. you yeah, know, like I think so. I don't know, it's one of those things that's like. If you're having fun, it comes across and it's like you could feel it in the on the set or in, in the podcast recording or whatever you're doing, like visceral and tangible, yeah. I think, to the end product. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was just I've been working a lot on uh, like stand up persona. I do stand up, too. And um, like I compared one night I was not having fun to like when I was having fun. Uh-huh. And like it's a very small difference, but it's a change the entire thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, like if you're having fun. I think in like a live setting like that, where it's like, oh yeah, that's like 100% because like you have a, an immediate response to things yeah. and you like flow from it. You know, it's like the force. It's yeah. like it flows within you and you know, like, it's like all that, but like a live audience. So, oh yeah. And then it could devolve. Like you're having less yeah. and less fun. Like I think even same thing, like if you're recording a podcast, you're doing, like as things get more complicated in the recording, you just have less and less fun. And it just yeah. makes it not good at the end. Yeah. yeah. There's been times when making something had to like stop and reset. It's like, wait, wait, hold up. We're not having fun. We need to like, you get caught up on like some technical thing isn't working right or whatever or you know you're tired mm-hmm. or you're frustrated with the co-host about something else entirely you're like we need to just like stop the other shit and just have fun right now yeah. in this moment and not worry about the little things because yeah. that's all that matters it's like totally. the, the product 
because that thing, I've thought about this a lot with like shoots, you know, when it's like, you could be like, oh man, this shoot was crazy. Like we had an actor get sick. And so they were like three hours late. And so we had to shoot this entire scene in like one hour, blah, blah, blah. We had one in product. No one knows that. No one knows what like issues there were or what went into like how quickly the script had to be written or what had to be changed last? It's like, no one knows. All that matters is the end yep. product. So you just got to make it the best you can. Because when you're showing it to people, be like, so here's the context for why this sucks. <laughs> it's like, like you don't get that. I mean, you, you might if you're like directly showing it to someone. But like the rest of the world, they just see what it is. Yeah, you can't put like subtitles in the bottom. Yeah. Like, please forgive <laughs> yeah. the lighting in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like annotation. Yeah. yeah. All of the projects at Rooster Teeth are so great at like mobilizing an audience it feels mm -hmm. what are some things you've learned about that i mean i think it's like a, a balance of engaging audience and like treating them like part of the uh process if that makes sense like you know when you're making something like if you're like little things like even just like commenting responding and like making the people who were watching your content whether it's like 10 people or you know 10,000 it's like making them feel like they're invested in it and they're involved and that you care about them and the interactions like builds community and it builds like investment so that like they want you to succeed and they want to share whatever you're making because they feel like it's part of it and so sometimes it's like on a podcast like taking questions or like from the audience or or just like yeah. calling out someone who like oh hey someone said this really cool comment so you know Rachel Serpent so whatever like username might be like thanks you know blah 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 and you call it out and it's like all of a sudden like oh wow like now you're listening to you like oh well they're just like okay now I, you feel like they're involved in it you know and it's like <laughs> But you can also can't try and make stuff purely to make the audience happy. You know, like you can't try because no one a lot of times people say, I wish they did this or I wish they did this. I wish this was longer. It's like, no, you don't. It shouldn't be longer. It's you, you want it to, like to me. That's the best compliment when someone's like, I wish this was longer. It's like, no, no, that means it's a perfect link. That means like it's good. Like you don't want to leave something or like, oh, this is boring. You know, like you want to leave people wanting more. So it's like those kind of things or someone be like, oh, I wish this had this. It's like, you, you want to take the feedback, yeah. but also like make it your own and not make it, not try and write pander, I guess. Because mm -hmm. otherwise you're, you're, again, you're not making something genuine or you're not making what you want to make. And I mean, that isn't like what you make, it's in like what you're like inspired yeah. to make. And I think if you're like, keep whatever, you know, however many people are listening or watching, like build that community and get them, make them your champions. And that just like, it snowballs from that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I think that's great to have like a team of people too, because then when someone gives you feedback that doesn't make sense for the original inspiration for the project, like someone can speak up and be like, but that's not what yeah. we want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also, even on that feedback too, it's like, I know things that are like things that you're producing weekly and maybe you might have an end product in mind but not, haven't written it all or conceived of it all or mm -hmm. you can like take audience input and really like use the, what people are responding positively to and then like oh that's working let's lean that direction you know like oh they people really responded to this character or this new segment or something let's like push further into it and then it's like adapting and evolving but also not yeah, yeah. within the vision you've started out with. Yeah, yeah yeah so now there's some podcasts we were going to talk about today one of them is black box down mm -hmm. which is brilliant i love that podcast so fun yeah thank you yeah i love how some like a lot of it like i was listening to one and it was just about how like how they used it just about i like how it ends with like aviation is safe because this is yeah. what they learned. <laughs> yeah so for people who uh haven't listened to it it's basically um podcasts that takes aviation incidents and disasters like plane crashes and kind of breaks them down on like a true crime level where it's like here's this you know 
plane crash that happened. And we're going to kind of go through like moment by moment of like leading up to it and then break down like, okay, well, what was the investigation? Like, how did they figure out what went wrong? And then who is to blame? And then, okay, they figured out all these problems. And, you know, like here's, you know, it was, oh, is this, there's a problem with, you know, maintenance thing where someone did the, followed the wrong procedure. And then there's, because the thing about airplanes is they're safe. They're super safe. So it's always like crazy when something goes wrong, because it's always like this, and then this, and then this, and this, this. It's like a series of compounding errors or or crazy, you know, circumstances. It's always interesting, like every every incident. But then the reason like aviation is so safe is because at the end of all this, the industry is like, okay, well, we have to change things and we have to fix things so that this doesn't happen again. And so each episode kind of ends with like, what got changed because of this? People are like, oh, it's a podcast about plane crashes. Like, well, yeah, but it's also a podcast about why these things don't happen very often or anymore, you know? And to be fair, like I get the easy part of that. My uh, co-host, Gus, like aviation enthusiast, he's the one who like uh, getting his pilot's license right now. He's been into this for like his entire life pretty much. And our producer, they're the ones who are like super know everything. I'm just like, you know, the stand in for the audience who just like reacts and asks questions who I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm the, I don't know anything about flying a plane. I certainly know a lot now at this point about crashing them, uh, but like, that's only because we've recorded a bunch of this episodes, but like, it, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really, we also try to take away, like, we don't try to like sensationalize it. Here, here's what happened. Here are the facts. And we're just like talking through them. Not like, yeah, sens- sensationalizing it in a, in a way that feels like overly, I don't know, morbid. Well, yeah. And especially because like you comes out the other end, like, and this is why it's safe to, like, it's a hope, it lends on a hopeful note. Yeah. yeah. I've learned a lot about plane crashes, but I feel safer now because it's like, I know all the stuff that goes into it. You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, there's, there's a system, there's checks, there's balance, you know, it's like, it's not just one person it's always like like i said compounding series of crazy events that leads to disaster typically and sometimes it doesn't that's you know it's always cool whenever it's like there's disaster and it's averted and you see oh yeah that's the system working was your co-host the one who came up with the idea yeah yeah i mean i said he's been into into aviation for forever and he was selling me concept and i was like i love that that's amazing i would love to anything i could do i'd love to be a part of it and then thankfully he said okay uh, you want to be in it mm-hmm. i said okay cuz yeah i mean it's when he told me the concept i was like that's a great idea i love it like i don't know anything about planes but i would just listen to that and that, i think that's again kind of going back mm-hmm. to that thing it's like kind of make content that you want to make or that you would watch or consume or listen to. And that that's when you can be like, mm-hmm. well, that's all you can do. It's like, well, yeah, I'd listen totally. to this. So hopefully other people totally. would. And, and it seems like there's a lot of people really into yeah, it too. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously like a lot of people who are into planes and pilots. It's like, there's always like that community and culture that if like the people who are like, that's, you know, I want to be a pilot or I want to, you know, that. And there's always people like, my co-host who was just like, yeah, I've just always been into planes and interested in them and like research them and watch stuff about them. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people who are into that. And then also everyone rides planes. Everyone's like, I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you've been on a plane. You look out the window, you're like, huh, I'm like 30,000 feet up in the air. That's yeah. weird. That's just like not a normal, all of humans existence. It's only been in the past, like, you know, like hundred years or so that that's happened. Right. So it's just weird. You know, it's like, especially the first time you're on a plane, it's like, you know, you get nervous. Like everyone has those kind of like fears and, and little like, and it's in movies. So it's like, it's interesting. Like, well, what actually happens? Why do these things happen? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, this, cool. Now I know. Um, I feel like I have some friends who like love true crime. So yeah. I want to move them over to this because the true crime shows often then end with a very like negative 
like, and watch out, don't leave your house. It could happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like the true crime is a huge genre in podcasting. And I mean, I listened to a lot of true crime stuff too. That was the thing I was like, one of the reasons why this was such a, a cool idea. It's like, oh, this is, it hits that kind of true crime interest, but it's it's different. It's got a, a different hook because there's a lot of podcasts where people are like, well, and here's this serial killer that there's like a million other podcasts that also cover that same serial killer or what, you know? So it's like, uh, that's different, you know? Yeah. Is there also one with ships you guys are doing or that's someone else? Yeah. Uh, several coworkers of mine just launched. It's a really good show too. It's called uh, Ship Hits the Fan and it's some coworkers of mine. They're super funny. They're some of the funniest people I know. And like, I, I would say their podcast is funnier than ours because we're very, we're like more, it's like very, very kind of like, go, I mean, we try, we try to make jokes and stuff too, but like they're super, super funny. And um, I think it just launched about a month ago or two. And it's definitely suggests if you're into ships, or planes. You got black box sound and you got ship hits the fan. So do you guys, is it is remaking puns the secret to naming a podcast? Mm, I don't know. Good morning in hell. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like a name is hard. Naming anything is like, it's just so hard. Sometimes you'll find it immediately, but you'll be like, well, there's got to be a better name. And then you'll like toss out like 50 other ideas and you might circle back to that one that you thought of like, almost immediately, or it might take days where you're just like, oh, what about this? No, that's not right. Oh, what about this? Oh, well, that has a double meaning that we don't like, you know, like whatever, or, ah, oh, crap, there's another show with the same name or, you know, like. Yeah, because I feel like the name is important to yeah. almost le- like let people, especially with podcasts, it feels, to so let people know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you want to hit that like sharp engaging, but then also like, yeah, you don't have to be like, people read the title and then be like, wait, so what is it? You know, like not have any idea. So mm-hmm. it's like. Yes. It, yeah, it's, it's totally. hard. Not every name's great. Some, I mean, <laughs> like yeah. some, some things I mean, I'm like, oh, that was a dumb name in <laughs> retrospect, but whatever. It's too late now. Do you have any tips on coming up with it? Um, I think it's like generally shorter is better. As short as you can, that's like snappy, but also conveys the tone or the concept. Like that's, it's not always necessarily, I feel like this is sometimes more with also like naming episode titles of like sketches or, or whatever you might be working on. Like sometimes the clever name isn't really the best because it might be clever, but it's not something that's like catchy or engaging or you might have a really clever name for a sketch, but then someone's going to read it and they're like, I don't know what that is. But if you, so sometimes you have to like make a title of something and this is more on an episode more so than series, but something that's like, so I, people read that and they know what it is rather than like it being like, Oh, this is so yeah, clever. Totally. You know? It's like some people are into Google search console to name stuff. Do you guys use that at all? Pro- maybe probably should. <laughs> uh, you guys are doing pretty well. So you tell us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's probably, that's smart. I've never done that. I mean, honestly, a lot of times, cause we have to run th- names by legal. Um, and so it's like some, you'd be like, come up with like, this is the perfect name. And then we send it to legal because Rich Teeth is is owned by mm-hmm. you know, is a subsidiary of Warner Media, so it's like you know everything's got to have like legal. It's got to pass legal, right? And you have like oh, this is a perfect name, and legal's like, well, there was actually a uh, TV show aired three episodes in 1982 <laughs> with the same name, so we don't think it's not going to pass. I was like, this is a podcast, like this that was 30 years, like so you have to just oh, what was the next one, you know? So it's like yeah. yeah, it's that same kind of thing. Like don't get too hung up on one thing, yeah. Because <laughs> I've also gotten like oh, legal like that. That was, that's a perfect name. And then like, yeah, it yeah. didn't matter. Now, Good Morning in Hell is so fun. It's actually, I was just telling you, I was like, I think it's one of my favorite podcasts now. And I 
to have a hard time. Like sometimes it's hard to follow. It's improvised, right? Yeah. So Good Morning from Hell was it's like an improv comedy show that takes place in hell where the premise is I'm dead and my eternal punishment is to do a podcast where we have to interview everyone in hell. And my co-host is Satan's little brother, Clayton. And uh, that was like the first podcast that I like hosted or, you know, like I mean, I've been on the Rooster Teeth podcast a lot previously, but that was the first one that was like, oh, this is like my project. And um, that kind of was born from, again, I kind of that this was actually a little bit before COVID, but it was like trying to, you know, just like doing a lot of writing and, uh, you know, some stuff gets made and it, like I just like telling stories. Well, you can do a, a narrative podcast and you can get it made. And it's cheap and you can just tell a story. And that kind of was born from that. It's not scripted because that would just, it wouldn't be possible to make something weekly that's, you know, 30 minutes long like that. But, uh, you know, we'd some episodes we'd like write outlines for. We'd always have like a hook for the concept. We did 100 episodes and then we like decided to, that's one of those things like we did it weekly and we did 100 episodes. And then we were like, you know, it's a good place to end it because we were like, I mean, we could have gone on, I think concept-wise, like, again, there's a million people in hell. You could always find someone to interview because we'd always just have a different guest, but we're just like, okay, this is a good place. We're happy with this and we can end it here. And if we want to come back to these characters or do something different, then we can. But for now, like, let's end it at 100 because it that's like, you kind of want to like say what you want to say. And when you when you feel good about it, you don't have to inherently, you know, keep going till it's dead. And even if that show, you know, even <laughs> dead and in hell. Well, it's just what we were saying before, like uh, end on a high note yeah. and when they want more yeah. yeah yeah and we can always like we love those characters in that world you can only do so many projects at once yeah you know and that was one of those like, okay great we had a blast for the show work on something else develop something else you know like it, uh, it definitely helped during i mean it's like having those projects keep me going in <laughs> covid you know like all right cool i'm doing something creative and like having fun with friends like, yeah yeah that stuff helps. That's cool. And I didn't even listen to enough of them. I've listened to a bunch, but not to like to see if like the characters start looping back. Like, do you continue the storyline? Yeah. So it's some of what happens. So it's very, we kind of like with that show, we wanted it to be episodic where you could just pick up any episode mm -hmm. and listen. Cause I do think that that's like, that's helpful for a lot of comedy stuff where if someone has missed an episode, then they're like, oh, crap. And then they keep, it becomes almost like, oh, no, now I got to got like yeah. five episodes to catch mm -hmm. on. And then it becomes this like thing. And so it's like, well, so might have like arcs in that show, you know, we might have like a kind of like background story line that like, like I think one of the first ones we did was just like Satan's little brother, Clayton running. He decides he wants to run for president of hell against his brother. So it's like this kind of like ongoing storyline and some. And then we kind of shifted to like, you know, kind of go in and out of those. But so it's like you get to do the fun stuff of like telling a longer story, but you're also not like keeping it where an audience is like feels like they're left out. Yeah. It's really more about like world building, I think, with that show and characters and just having fun. So, yeah, yeah as opposed to something that's like you, you, can't, you don't have to listen to every episode. Yeah. You just pick it up and go. Or skip around. Yeah, and that's what I was doing. I was skipping around and I was like, I still kind of know what's going on. I know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it was very possible. Yeah, I couldn't get through 100, all 100. I'm sorry yeah. about that. I do my homework. There's <laughs> a lot of homework. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like, you know, 100 episodes, like that's that's a good number. I feel good about that. That's yeah. hard. 100 of anything's hard. Yeah, um, for sure. That's incredible. And and did you guys, because you did so many episodes, did you like start to lose track of details? There's a couple things I think that we might have like, but we also, we were really involved in like editing and or like, you know, the post for it. So like that always helped in the back of our heads. Like, oh, I remember 
like we take turns kind of either editing or, and we got to where we didn't edit, you know, people help edit them, but we'd always like, you know, give notes because they were always cut down. We always record for 45 minutes, cut it down to like a tight 30, right? So pretty edited. And so be like, well, I, I, I listened to this episode probably like six times. So I, you know, you remember the little details and also it's a comedy. So it's like, yeah. that takes place in hell. So no one was like, excuse, you know, like it wasn't like the canon. It wasn't too, uh, it's not like lost or something, you know, people are like getting upset and they're like, oh yeah, play it off as a joke if we did miss something. But I think we did a pretty good job of keeping, you know, consistent yeah, across cool. hundred episodes. Now you, I remember from Gawkward, you grew up in a Christian, like a town with all the big, pretty conservative Christian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, was this inspired by that at all or? No, no. I do think it's like, it probably had an influence on like pulling jokes and, and like characters and concepts from, mm-hmm. but the concept for that part, podcast was like, oh, it'd be, f- I always have like fun, like things that I'm like, oh, I like time travel stuff or I like, oh, I like, you know, bigger than life, you know, fantasy stuff. Like, and I was always like, oh, it'd be fun to do a show that took place in hell. Initially, my initial concept was like, I had it like three years before we made that show where I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to do like a talk show in hell with like all these terrible people commenting. It was like a more like a news thing, commenting about like news of the day. But like from the perspective of evil people. But then I was like, man, it, that'd be kind of depressing because there's a lot of crap going on in the world so I like kind of was like that's not I don't know it feels a little depressing so I kind of like sat on it and then we did another like kind of improv comedy show that me and co-host Blaine Gibson were guests on and we were like they were kind of come up with characters and we we're gonna be like uh Satan's little brother we were like oh we'll be Satan's little brother I'll be like your intern and we'll just like we just came up with the characters and I was like oh that was fun and then kind of like gestated on it and so like just like and again when I was like trying to figure out stuff stories to tell is like kind of like Pulled, I was like, oh, wait, wait, remember that idea I had like three years ago? And oh, those characters from that thing I did like a year ago. And then like, oh, oh, I could like, and then take, like if I did it like kind of an improv, then I don't have to like, I can make, tell a story and I don't have to like write everything. It's like, it kind of like coalesce. So it's like just having, again, having those ideas that you kind of sit on, you can't make everything immediately. You got to like find the right way and medium and time to make it. Totally, very cool. Yeah, the idea, no, no ideas ever wasted, but there's mm-hmm. something come back. Yeah. And how did you get your, find your guests? Um, I mean, it was, it was like, thankfully we're at a company with a lot of funny people. So it was like, we had that a good base. And then we'd also just over the years, we just interacted and like worked with so many different people, like conventions and events and like working on shows or things together or guests. Oh, you know, I was, I was a guest on this. And so this person now we're, you know, so there was that, uh, we also, Rushith, uh, also has a podcast network called the roost. We have our, our, our shows, our podcasts that we make as a company, but then we also have you know, other podcasts that will do partners. And so we have mm-hmm. that network where, you know, someone might join the podcast, might join the roost and be like, oh, hey, let's collaborate. And so we'd pull, you know, be on their show and they'd be on our show. And there's that. And then some of it was also like, just, you know, sometimes we just like, oh, this person's a, we saw a funny video with this person. Let's like message them on Twitter and be like, hey, you know, you're funny. Like, do you want to be in, <laughs> you want to be in a, our show? So sometimes anything and everything. Very cool. You know? And when you're working uh, Tales from a Sticky Dragon, mm-hmm. that's a DD podcast, right? Yeah. And that's another thing that really like kind of was born out of COVID, I think, where I never really played d and I always knew it was something I'd love because <laughs> it's like improv and comedy and like Same. fantasy yeah. and or it does not handle the comedy, but so, but I never did it because it was like a time commitment. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I could commit to meeting with people and like playing games like weekly. Actually, the one I did play one time like 10 years prior, but it was like my one friend who had, there was like four of us and one person never DM'd before. 
And the other person was like, he was narcoleptic and cataplectic. So he kept like falling asleep in the middle. Like, so it wasn't like the most like, hey, we were like, yo, hey, hey man, it's your turn. You know, so that like, it, it wasn't like the greatest D&D experience. And then like during COVID, we started doing a live stream with D&D. And then I was like, oh, this is super fun. I think the best, we like took that and then was like, well, let's do an audio podcast. But the way we record it is we don't, you know, a lot of people play D&D with like a graph and like figurines and stuff. And like, we don't have any of that up. We're just like, it's all in our heads, essentially. We aren't. And so it becomes, we, we don't end up talking about things that audience can't see, you know? And it's very character driven and like improv and we're not gonna get caught up on like, well, this number and da, da, da. It's like, you don't have to know anything about D&D to listen to it. It's just a fun comedy story. And uh, it's super fun to make. It's like my favorite thing to record. It's just because it's like, I'm just a character in it. And so I get to like, I'm just being a character and I'm just having improving as this character. And it's like, then it's edited with like radio play with sound effects and music. And it's like, I go back and listen to it. like, wow, this is, this sounds so fun. It's, and it was fun when I recorded it. It's even better now. So it's like, if you, if you like D&D, podcast or if you don't doesn't matter if you like comedy it's like definitely i'd suggest giving a listen because there's so much fun. i just that's one of those things like you could you could i think you could tell that we're all having fun mm-hmm. when we're recording it for sure um so all of the sound effects in are added in after mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's just like a ra- kind of edited like a yeah. radio play and uh i never really played D D leading up and then now i think it's like awesome like it's so much fun like i want to do more D stuff and i think it's like exploded i think in the last couple of years like it's found a new audience mm-hmm. with people who i don't think would traditionally play D or be into it maybe but we do um group i'm in squad team force uh we do a lot of sketches yeah. and videos on like youtube tiktok and some of the biggest ones the most popular ones we don't are just like D jokes <laughs> and it's like there's a huge audience for that stuff because it is fun and if like it's super i don't know have you ever done D? I same like i wanted to do it but i just couldn't do the time commitment you should do it like you like doing characters and like this is up your alley, like living and being and like a character. It's like this is this is totally your thing. Like you should do it. I know. I'm afraid I'm going to get too into it and I'm going to have the co- I'm going to be insane about it and not going to get any work done. Yeah. That's my fear. Yeah. I mean, that's totally valid. That's a very valid fear. <laughs> But I also feel like, you know, to some extent, it kind of depends on, you know, who you're playing with. Like some people are super into like the math of it where they're like, I will, you know, figure out the best way to do it. They're like to get too caught up on the rules versus like, oh, let's just have fun. You know, yeah. like it's we're, we're, we're like playing pretend as adults. So, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. That's like, you know, it's like kind of like going back to that childhood thing of like you're playing pretend. Like I used to jump on the trampoline for hours with my like play with swords, you know, and it's like. That's what we're doing, but we're just doing it in our heads as adults, and we sometimes and now yeah. we can drink beer. I mean, your your thirteen year old self would be like, "You're the coolest fucking human." <laughs> there was only one thing that I think they would think is that there was one day a couple of years ago, it was like South by Southwest or something, and there was like we did some sort of collaboration with Hot Topic, and I took over the Instagram for Hot Topic for like an afternoon. And I was like, punk obsessed, like 13, 15 year old me would be like freaking out right now. That was the moment in which I, I think that was it. 13 year old me's like high point was like when I was like <laughs> on Hot Topics Instagram for an afternoon. Like that was the high point. I don't know about some of the other things, but at least yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. That's that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been into a Hot Topic probably since I was like in high school. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think I wandered in recently and i was like oh it's still the same demo it's very cute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if i've been to a mall yeah. so that i mean that would be nostalgic just doing that yeah yeah it'd be fun i I really want to get a lot mall walking i'm obsessed with going mall walking to do character studies but um it's been all of them have been closed for because of covid still mm. so 
So when you say mall walking, isn't just like walking around or like the workout? The work, workout like, people that get there at like 830 and walk oh, around the mall. Because yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like it would be full of characters. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, can I join? <laughs> is that how it works? Do you I just get you to like. You just show up to walk. Do they know each other or is it just like, hey, we're walking? Or do you like. I think it's just that the mall actually opens an hour early for the mall walkers. What? Is it a club? Yeah. How do you get that? How do you get like, how do they know that you're walking? Well, you just go there and you're like, hi, I'm here to walk. I think because I haven't gone. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get on that walking I know. club. That sounds- it's fascinating, right? I think it's great. I yeah. think it's like, should be a movie, like mall walkers like Avi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then what do they do when like because malls are becoming less prevalent? Like, where do they walk? Mm-hmm. What do how? What's that replacement? Like the last Walmart mall walker? The last mall walker. <laughs> yeah, still holds. Yeah. Probably I don't know. Like maybe probably just walks around the block. Like they're that weird person yeah. who just walks around the block. They took a big mall in Austin and turned it into a college campus. Wow. So it's like my one of my memories of like Austin Mall, which when I moved here in like 2005, I was like, oh, yeah, now it's like community college campus. So it's like be weird to be <laughs> you could still mall, mall market probably, but you might be like different crowd yeah. of people. It would be different. Well, they'd have to like kick yeah. everyone out just so the people can come in early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To a mall walk. Yeah, so they're here to mall walk. Let them in early. They don't, they're not taking any classes. <laughs> Well, they come in like that. No one would come. No one's up in college, like at 630. Yeah. In the oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, cool. Well, I have a question from one of uh, my characters here. Okay. Um, hi, I'm, I'm Deborah DeCanter. Um, I just so appreciate all your um, love uh, and appreciation for details. You know, devils in the details and also on your podcast. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> um, um, you love details. I love details. And so I just wonder, you know, when you're that attentive to all of the things in life, you can get a little bit tense. Yeah. So just how do you um, relax and how do you break well, free? Well, I don't know if I do actually relax. And I think finish stuff. That's how you break yeah. through. Yeah. Because uh, I, I won't, um, I could be so anal about stuff that the, sometimes the only way I can step away is by like really stepping away and finishing it or learning or just like not getting into a project. Like I, if like if I'm in something, get into a project, then I'm like, oh, I'm invested and I got to give like 100%. So sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, I can't start like getting too invested in this on like a directorial or creative, you know, like I can't give notes on this. Otherwise, I'm going to like, I won't be able to stop. So I step away. That's how I am. What about you? How do you? Oh, how do you well, you know, when uh, I finish someone's tax return, I just gets this like it just mm-hmm. makes me feel so so calm um and yeah. then yeah um it, but the problem is that like when i do a lot of tax returns it's tax season and i don't have a lot of time so i just kind mm-hmm. of feel it for a second and then i just go right into the next one um but I'm, I'm considering maybe playing D and think it would be good for me i can like dress in costumes yeah. and act crazy what do you do after tax season do you get bored um, well, then I um or make sure I organize um my receipts. I like organizing the ones for the last few years, like depending on the chronological order, um and making sure that the screenshots are perfect. So I usually fall behind mm. in tax season, so I do that. Um yeah. yeah. And then I luckily I get to work with big companies that have tag they delay their taxes until the mm. fall. And so that means I get to do taxes year round. It's very exciting. You know, we should be friends because I did my 2020 taxes, I started them the week that they, three days, I think, before the extension was due. <gasps> so it was like October. It was like 
mid-October. So like you would have had a blast. Wow. That would be like a personal challenge. And then I could stay up for like 18 hours and like do so many, not like crunch those numbers and feel the columns oh, come yeah. into order. It would have been like, like an almost like existential experience. Yeah. So you call me next time. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be last minute. Okay. I guarantee it. Oh, that's great. I'll give you my cell. You could just call me right away and we'll, um, we'll get going. Great. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Chris. Um, um, good luck with your taxes, um, and um, I'll see you soon. Yeah, well, okay. it won't be soon. It'll probably be the uh, October extension time. So, of course, yeah, I'll yeah. set um, an alt phone alarm yeah. for that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> That's cool. Great. Thanks for playing along. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I just got nervous because I just thought about my taxes. <laughs> like. That actually was a terrifying week because I thought the extension was the end of October just because I was like, oh, yeah, it's the end of October. And then I was like, I should start those soon. And then I was like, oh, wait, they're in three days. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so I hate taxes. Yeah, it's hard. 1099 so much that it's like, ugh, then getting it's like getting it from everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and it's expensing stuff, like keeping up with the receipts. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it's annoying. And then like not everyone has receipts. And then what does that even mean? Yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah and I always feel like, well, someone could do yeah. this. There's always something missing, but whatever. Yeah. Do the best you can and yeah. put it in. Yeah. If you do too much, then that's when it gets bad. Yeah. But if you just do enough, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, where can people find you? They can find me, my personal is Chris Damaris. That's D-E-M-A-R-A-I-S on like Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and apparently all the social media. And then um, all my podcasts that I mentioned, there's you just find them. Any podcast platform, there's Tales from Sticky Dragon, Black Box Down, Good Morning from Hell. Um, and then also I make a lot of content if you're on RoosterTeeth.com or RoosterTeeth YouTube. Or if you want like our little sketches and like social stuff like on TikTok, uh, Squat Team Force. And that's those are like... I like doing those because it's like, oh yeah, some sketches, you just need like a yeah. joke sometimes and that's that's okay on that platform. I mean, some stuff is longer, you know, some stuff is like a minute, two minutes, but then sometimes you can be like, oh yeah, this is like 30 second bit and that's okay. You don't have to like live forever. And yeah, absolutely. So, All right, well, thanks for coming to hang out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening, folks. To support this work, here are two things you can do. One, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Also, you can support us by donating on Venmo at Lauren Logie. So coming up, we have the best of these stupid people episode. Yes, it's a compilation of your favorite segment of the podcast. You can follow Reconcile the Isle on my Instagram and Twitter at Lauren Logie, L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get reminders when we publish this every other week. Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Ani Mikachin for editing, Edward Sila at Radio Misfits Podcast Network, Mary Lynn English for being the research assistant for this season, to Zevin Edwards for creating the intro, Christopher Catalano for the voiceover, Manny McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout out to Alan Waters, Danny Holton, Craig Franson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Krista Myris for being such a wonderful guest. See you in two weeks.